Good evening. As I was listening to Logan Stratton give his testimony a few months ago, all I could think was, I'm next. <laughs> and sure enough, not a minute after the service had ended, Dave, and Dave was right there with his calendar. <laughs> so here I am. Please turn to Titus 2 with me. Titus 2, 11 and 12. help if I could find it. Which reads, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. I know that the Holy Spirit has been with me since I was saved. I believe that I can relate to that verse and how he has always protected me uh, if I choose to follow him. It is his grace that has helped me say no to the things of the world. I was saved at the age of three and a half on my aunt and uncle's couch in Surprise, Arizona. I do not remember the specifics, but I do remember that day. But to relive the moment, we have a picture that was taken just moments after I trusted Christ. That was last year. <laughs> I really never had an opportunity to stray away from God before I was saved because God was all I knew. I was never exposed to a sinful lifestyle. Everything I was around was appropriate for my age and I was guarded spiritually by my parents. I've always lived in a Christian home, much like many of you, and being homeschooled, I have been fairly sheltered throughout my life. I was baptized two years ago and I've gone to church for as long as I can remember. It is all I know, but I also was very aware um, sorry. I was also very aware, uh, even as a young child, that this world was dangerous in many ways and had people who thought differently than we did. I knew that there were many people around me who were not Christians. There was a year not that long ago during baseball season when I had to state to my teammates that I was not a Christian. I found myself swallowing a little bit harder, wondering what the response was going to be and if I would have to defend myself. In that moment, I knew in my heart that it was what Christ teaches us in Matthew 10, 33. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. So in that moment, when I was asked what religion I was, I knew what I had to say. There was no doubt in my mind. I love sports, mainly soccer and baseball. But if a ball is, but if a ball is involved, I'll play it. I love to play those games, watch those games, learn about the players, and teach others about those games. But I learned something about myself this past summer when it comes to sports and my relationship with the Lord. He cares for me enough to not let sports or a team drag me into something that, is too that, is, that, will be too, that will be a temptation too great for me. I got in the car after the second practice with the team I had just joined, and I knew I could not go back for the third practice. I realized that it was not the place for me at this time in my life, and worried I would get too comfortable with their conversation and choice of words. I knew that to surround myself with them would do nothing good for me. As it says in 1 Corinthians 15.33, do not be deceived, bad company corrupts good morals. I know that the Lord has given me his wisdom to know what to run from, and I know that he was with me during that time. In addition to his protection, I've also seen him stretch me in areas I did not seek out. I was stretched out of my comfort zone this past summer at Verdugo Pines Bible Camp. I was bumped from helping with games to being a junior counselor with somebody I barely even knew. 
Uh, it was a little awkward the first day, but God always works things out for good. There was a camper who, from the first night on, was homesick. And being the junior counselor, I helped get his mind off of home and onto the fun of camp. It never really worked, but it was, it was the Lord who put me in the cabin, I know, uh, and I was in there in order to help this homesick kid. Uh, if it was up to me, I would have stayed in the cool cabin with the game staff and candy. <laughs> Since there has never been a period of my life where I, have not, or, where I have not gone to church or been surrounded by other believers who support my faith, I would have to say that up until this point, it's been an easy road. Uh, it, it has not yet been, I have not, I have not yet been tested and gone through difficult trials. I do know this, that being around other Christians is very important. Some of the things you have helped, some of the things that have helped me grow is serving in Awana and doing Awana myself. Uh, as I said earlier, the people you surround yourself with are eventually the people you can become. My hope is that I can always stay on God's path and continue to learn on, to continue to lean on him when I need help. Thank you for listening. Now we hear from Ricky. Thanks, Lincoln. I know that when Lincoln finished, I was next. <laughs> um, so I did a word study. I started off with a word study, and uh, the reason why I started off with a word study is because I heard someone in the church say a familiar uh, phrase. And that phrase was, we have to keep this person humble. And I wondered, was that biblical at all? And uh, in searching the scriptures, found out that it wasn't. This was the hardest study I've ever had to study in my life. As far as application from the word to my life, this was the hardest one. And the study is on humble and humility, and it goes with it. Uh, this isn't something that you can say that the person six uh, rows ahead of you has to apply to their lives. And seeing as how I always sit in the front, I guess everyone back there would apply it to my life also. <laughs> Being humble is uh, extremely easy when you stay in the word. When you're outside of the word, it isn't. It's very hard. Every day at work, as I was studying this, I was realized that I was sinning. I was sinning. I was sinning. When there's a person who doesn't do what you ask them to do, being in a position of authority is me being a manager, to give them a correction and not to do it with a humble attitude or heart is a sin. And to have that on your shoulder, you're sinning, you're sinning, you're sinning every day, every hour, was pretty rough. So in the study, I looked at the Old Testament and the New Testament, obviously, uh, to see how us as Christians, we can implement humility in our lives. But to be humble in the Old Testament was a little different as we have recorded than it is in the New Testament. Or is it? Dun, dun, dun. Now we get into this study. Please turn with me in the scriptures to Deuteronomy chapter 8. First, I'd like to read off um, those who were humbled or 
those who were actually humbled by God in uh, Exodus, you guys don't have to turn there, I'll read it for you for the sake of time. Exodus chapter 10 was Pharaoh. Now, the backstory is that you have the children of Israel, or the Hebrews at the time, were in Egypt, and they were being held as captive, or not captive, they were being held as servants by the Pharaoh. Now, the Pharaoh, being approached by Moses, was asked to let his people go. And the Lord, because he didn't let his people go, humbled Pharaoh. And those of you who know the story that Pharaoh went through various trials and all he had to do was soften his heart and humble himself. But the occasion was to humble himself first, and he didn't. And the more that he didn't, and we were studying this on Monday, it got harder for him to do, and he just didn't do it until the Lord crushed him and took all that he had away from him, even his workers. But in Deuteronomy, I guess it'll help if I turn there too. Deuteronomy chapter 8, we have how the Lord humbles his, his own. This is after the exodus um, and the counting of the people of Israel in chapter 1. He says, all the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go and possess the land which the Lord sware unto you as fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove to thee to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep the commandments or not. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger Oh, and suffered to thee, and fed thee with manna, which thou knowest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. The, thy raiment wax not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty days. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in thy ways and to fear him. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee unto a good land, a land of brooks, of water, fountains in the deep that spring out of the valley and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranate, a land of oil, olive, and honey. So in the first and the chapters, Oh, I'm sorry, in the verses that we just read, it reads and recalls that the Lord had humbled the children of Israel right when they got out of the, uh, um, right when they got out of Egypt in the, in the Exodus. In 40 years in the wilderness, they were humbled, and it was to be because um, of their hearts. And it was a heart issue. He used the method to prove what was in their heart. We see that in the scriptures that humility or being humbled by God doesn't take away the consequence. Once you've trespassed, you have to go through what, you, what you've done, basically. The trial, you have to go through the trial, but he does provide a way out for them. A few weeks back, we heard of the serpent in the wilderness. Because of their sin, the serpent had to be raised up, but there were some that died because of their, because of their pride. Also, in humility, what he does is he brings the people close to him through these various trials and tribulations that you go through, as he's bringing you low, he's letting you see the perspective of God where he is and where you should be. 
It's your pride that lifts you up, and it's God that has to bring you down. And this is to the people of, of whom he has chosen, those who decide to serve with the Lord. Please turn to... Oh, excuse me, I'm sorry, I missed a few things. It also says that because of the blessings that the Lord has given them, that these are some of the reasons why he had to humble them, because their heart was lifted up. Again, he fed them, he led their way, and they complained the whole way. And as they complained, the Lord sent these serpents, and, they, and he tried them in, this, um, in the trials, and there, there they had to depend on the Lord wholly. Please turn to Second Chronicles chapter seven. Second Chronicles chapter seven. This is a time where, where we have Solomon dedicating the temple, and the Lord comes to him. And here we see that the Lord seeks a response through our attitudes. Being humble is a heart issue, and you are not judged at your heart until it comes out of your mouth. That's how the Lord knows who and what to punish, I believe. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 12. It says, And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night, and he said unto him, I have heard thy prayer, and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among thy people, among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal the land, their land. Now mine eyes shall be upon, or my eyes shall be open, and my in this place. Now we see right here we're given a model. Um, I believe it's a model of true humility. We have a model that gives an example that God lays out for the people that if you are to humble yourself in the beginning, pray and seek my face, turn from your wicked ways, then will I hear them. Um, these are things that as far as a Christian is concerned, it's very hard to do. Most of the time we think that humility is a mind state, and it's not. Humility is worked out of us um, throughout the word. And once we humble ourselves, we have to pray, and also we have to seek the face of God. Then he hears us. There is a continual process that we have to go through as far as the Lord hearing us, but he wants to see us go through this process as well. We also have to recognize that the Lord calls each individual to volunteer to humble themselves. He asks that we ourselves humble ourselves and not each other. Um, we can also turn to Second Chronicles chapter 34. This isn't one of the, one of many examples that we have in the Old Testament also that someone was humble and the wrath of God had turned away from them. By this time, we have the children of Israel doing their thing, sinning again, um, continually. But there was a, not a curse, there was, well, they did have a curse because if they didn't do the word, 
uh, the will of the Lord that they had agreed to, their land would be cursed. But also it was prophesied, and Josiah the king didn't know this, that Jerusalem was going to be destroyed. And he later sought the face of God, and uh, that prophecy was revealed to him. But see in chapter 20, in verse 20, or read in verse 25 of 34, it gives us an idea of what happened to King Josiah. Verse 25 is, because they have forsaken me and have burned incense unto other gods that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore, my wrath shall be poured out upon this place and shall not be quenched. And as for the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, so shall ye say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel concerning the words which thou hast heard. Because thine, has, because thine heart was tender, and thou didst humble thyself before God, when thou heardest his word against this place, and against the inhabitants thereof, and humblest thyself before me, and didst rend thy clothes, and weep before me, I have even heard thee also, saith the Lord. Behold, I will gather thee to thy fathers, and thou shalt be um, gathered to thy grave in peace. Neither shall thine eyes see all the evil that I will bring upon this place and upon the inhabitants of the same. So they brought the king the word again. So again, we have the model or we have an example of um, a king humbling himself. Um, just think of it, a, a, a king in the position that he's in where he doesn't have to listen to anyone, humbling himself when, once he hears the word. This, I think, is a great model in the Old Testament next to David, how um, he would humble himself before uh, the Bathsheba incident, um, where he was humbled by God after he had done what he had done. But this, uh, it says that King Josiah sought the God of his fathers, the God of David. And first, it says his heart was tender. He humbled himself before God. Number three, he heard the words of the Lord. Number four, he rent his clothes and wept before God. This, pro this process mostly took more than one hour. As most of us, when we are humbled, there seems to be a process that we go through um, where we're broken and then we get over it. Um, this is a king and he wept for his kingdom as he wept for sin because he knew that Jerusalem was condemned. And because of the tenderness of his heart and the steps that he had taken, he had turned away the wrath of God at that time. When the Lord says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. But Jerusalem at this time was saved because of the prayer and the seeking of the Lord's face from King Josiah. In application, we have to look to see if there's steps that are being taken in our own lives. Are we humble? Do we humble ourselves? It's more than a mind state. It's a realization of the current position that we're in. And actions need to be taken outwardly because of it. Are our hearts broken for the Lord's commandments? Does his word penetrate our hearts? Are our hearts soft? and ready for the Lord? Um, are we doing his commandments? He commands us to take care of the orphans and visit the widows. Uh, specifically, 
there's an assembly home right down the street that I haven't been to in quite some time, and it's full of widows. Are we visiting the widows? Are we doing the Lord's commandments? Are we taking care of one another? Are we broken for what the Lord does for us in hearing God? In Job chapter 22, it says, When men are cast down, then shalt thou say, There is lifting up, and he shall save the humble. Uh, just recognize the various <clears throat> specific pattern in this in psalm and various... Uh, I'm going to go through a few scriptures when it talks about humility. Psalm 9:12. When he maketh inquisition for blood, he remembers the city of the humble. Psalm 10:12. He forgets not the humble. Psalm 12:17. Thou hast heard the desire of the humble. Proverbs 3:34. Surely he scorneth the scorners, but he giveth grace to the humble. Pride is an issue. In the Old Testament from the New Testament, you're either prideful or you're humble. You either have humility or you're haughty. There is no gray area. Um, we see that pride is the work of the devil. And as a result of pride, there was sin. There was sin before Adam and Eve. And because of Adam and Eve, we are born into sin. So when the Lord looks down at pride, he sees the work of the devil. James 4, 6 says, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Um, about a year ago, Mike Atwood spoke up here. I think it was on a Wednesday night, and he spoke on the Holy Spirit. And uh, it didn't really necessarily make sense to me when he said that God, he felt like God was resisting the work of the assemblies at one point. Um, and reading this verse, this is the first thing that came up to mind. Are we humble to where God can hear us? Because he won't hear us if we're prideful. If there's pride and, we don't, and we're not seeking the Lord's face and we're not necessarily taking the steps that the kings in the past did, where we're soft to the word, where our hearts are ready to receive the word and do his work, where we're seeking his face diligently. Now it makes sense. Maybe there is pride. Maybe there is sin in the camp. Maybe we need to search out and seek the face of God. Take into account Josiah wept. Uh, this is a king who was outwardly broken for the commandments of the Lord because he knew that there was judgment to come. When you're prideful, the Lord has to take care of that. And he's going to put you through trials in order to see, for you to see, that he is in charge. Necessarily, we're not always in charge. Um, there is a Lord looking down above in love. And when he does these things, he chastens us because we're the ones that he loves. Um, in the New Testament, we have examples of humility. We have examples, as, as it is, the greatest regards Mary. Mary, uh, and, it's, and it's so funny because Justin spoke on this last night. We were at the... Uh, SCYF beach trip, and I had this in my notes, and Justin had spoke on it, and it was the account where Mary had given all that she had, all that she had, a year's worth of wages, and given it to the Lord, and it was the best that she had already had, and she broke it over um, the Lord's hair, and she anointed his feet with her hair and with her tears. She had cried so much 
that she was able to wash the feet of a grown man. That's huge. And she didn't say one thing. And that, one, and that was the, probably, in my mind, one of the greatest forms of worship that anyone could ever exhibit in the scriptures. If you have another one, we could talk later. But at this time, she had nothing. Nora Jones, it's a, uh, a, a song she had written. It's called, You Humble Me, Lord. Um, it goes, baby's in the backseat, still fast asleep, dreaming of better days. I didn't want to call you, but you're all I had to turn to. What do you say when it's all gone away? Baby, I didn't mean to hurt you. True spoken whispers will tear you apart, no matter how hard you resist it. It never rains when you want it to. You humble me, Lord. You humble me, Lord. I'm on my knees, empty. You humble me, Lord. You humble me, Lord. So please, please forgive me. In the position that you're at, it seems as though an example in relation to Mary, to God, she took those steps that King Josiah had done. If she had waited a week, she wouldn't be able to anoint the Lord's feet. She was humble on her knees, willing to give up everything. That is humility. We also have in the example in Philippians 2, chapter 7. Please turn with me there. And this is read this morning. An example of humility. The example of humility. We read this, or we were told this morning by our brother Nick that the Lord never asked you to do anything that he himself hasn't done. And uh, this is a great description of that. Verse 3 says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. This example of humility. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. even the death of the cross. He humbled himself in the worst punishment known to man so that those who recognize him by faith can live in it. We have the example, the supreme example in the New Testament. Jesus Christ is our example. We are to humble ourselves to one another um, it's funny how the God of this earth, or the, the God of uh, all creation, heaven and earth, who had all that he needed, came down to redeem us to himself. And he humbled himself in the image of a man, and even unto death, but we can't humble ourselves when we offend our brothers.
in this previous week, I have had, it seems as though that when you're studying something and you're applying it, it seems as though the Lord wants to make sure you're doing it right. <laughs> I have had the opportunity to uh, apologize and humble myself um, outside of work in the church, uh, mostly at work. That seems to be the hardest. But to those who I call brother in the church, um, the Lord is good in pointing things out and putting his fingers on the problem. And it's up to us if we don't do it. It's up to us to do it. And if we don't do it, it's going to get harder. It's going to get a lot harder because it's going to be on your mind. And he's, that's the one thing that's going to keep you from going, getting from this point to that point. And we heard it this morning. And the Lord's tugging at your heart. And you're not doing anything. And you say, okay, I'll keep doing that sin. I'll continue to do that sin. I'll continue to do that sin. And you just don't hear it anymore. Then he has to crush you. He has to take everything away from you so that you can see that the Lord's in control, that he whom you're bowing down to is in control. Consequently, the, the funniest thing for those who aren't believers in Christ, pride is the issue. Humility is the first thing that has to happen before you can become a Christian. You have to humble yourself and realize that I cannot get to heaven without the righteousness of Christ. I am wrong. That's humility there. And accepting Christ's righteousness is the only way that you can get it to heaven. I feel like sometimes, um, also, I don't mean to just continue, like, I don't mean to repeat what you said, <laughs> but it really stuck out to me, uh, Nick. Sometimes we have checklists also to make sure that we are being correct as Christians. And I feel like sometimes we measure other people who aren't Christians to that standard. Are we, as Christians who um, fellowship at Claremont, looking to make Christian, Clare, Christian or Claremont Christians? No. We're to preach the word of God. We're not all going to get along. But if if we can just focus on making Christians for Christ, we don't have to worry about them not fitting in because not everybody's going to fit in, um, especially when it comes to you're coming from a broken background into a fellowship of believers. Um, not everyone is the same. In addition, from what we read as far as the, the model for humility, um, it's very interesting that this morning it was read in Matthew 26. Please turn to that. In Matthew chapter 26, I'm about to do this quickly. And this was brought up as far as Christ, as he was asked to do things alone. Um, he asked us to do it together, but Christ, him and himself, uh, Matthew chapter 26 and 39 was read this morning at the break of your bread, says, started verse 38, it says, Then he said unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death, tarry ye here and watch with me. And he left a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And it's the same model that we see that Mary had done. 
as she had humbled herself before God. The same model that we see that Josiah, King Josiah had done, that he had humbled himself and got on his knees and wept before God, and the Lord heard his prayers. And there wasn't a time where the Lord wasn't uh, in, in earshot of God's uh, um, will. And here we see that he did do the Father's will. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Let us as Christians um, be broken for the word. Humility is something that we have to do on our knees. Please turn to Luke chapter 18. If there was anything as far as coming to Christ, this is, this is the model that we should look for. Luke. For those who are sinning and have a repentant heart. Luke chapter 18, verse 10. Before, a uh, little backstory, this is the Lord talking to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees uh, are asking him about salvation. It says, verse 10, two men went up into the temple and to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not like the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as the publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all, the, um, of all that I possess, and the, uh, and the publican standing afar off, and this is another man, the publican is standing far off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. It's humility. It says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humble himself shall be exalted. We should strive to be, even Christians, we should strive to be more or less like that man who was a publican. Publicans were the worst sinners in, the, in, in, in that time that was considered in Jerusalem. Um, they would take from people they would uh, raise taxes when it wasn't necessary. They would lie. Now we have an example as far as him humbling himself and also understanding that he was in so much sin that he wasn't able to lift his eyes up to God to pray. That in himself is the only prayer. Like he wasn't worthy for the Lord to even see him. In conclusion, as we're running out of time, it says, Habakkuk reads that, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Micah 6.8 reads, He has shown thee, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of thee, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. So in that phrase in the beginning when, when I said that I heard someone say uh, we are to keep them humble, it, it's not biblical at all. In fact, it's a sin. So whenever you hear someone saying we have to keep this person humble, they're sinning because they're elevating themselves higher than the person that they want to keep humble. 
and that is pride, who lifts up the Lord. From the scripture, it is the Lord's responsibility to lift up. If you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, you are under judgment already. Good luck. And it's, it's, it's a hard thing to say, um, but when, you, when you're relying on your own righteousness, what do you measure it up to? If you measure your righteousness up to man, you could beat him in a foot race, but can you beat him to heaven? You've got to check your humility on that. Being humble requires more than we think it does. Are we as sons being heard by the Father? In Scripture, it seems as though the ear of the Lord is on the floor where our knees should be. Let's pray. Dear gracious God and Father, Lord, we do pray to you tonight. And Father, in the steps that we've taken, Lord, in order to be your sons, Father, we've humbled ourselves. And it's not necessarily a prideful thing to say this, Lord. You, in Paul, in the scriptures, he says, if we were to boast, we boast in our infirmities so that we can recognize there is a God out there that is control, that is in control. Father, I pray that everyone here has taken that step of humility towards you. It's a hard thing to do. It should involve tears. But it should also, Lord, give us pride, or not pride, give us great joy in the fact that we know that when we are broken, you hear us. Father, I thank you so much for what you've done for us, for sending your son. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for humbling yourself as you were an example to us to humble ourselves so that we can be lifted up by God. I thank you for your righteousness, and I thank you for those that we have the privilege to suffer with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, I pray for the rest of the night. Lord, I ask as we celebrate our October birthdays next door, Lord, that um, we joy in the fact that there was a birth, yeah, those that we love, and those that we want to celebrate with them, Father. I ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.